Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Slamfire Radio, episode <laughs> 340 for February 6th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Adriel. I'm another one of your hosts, Trevor. And I am the last one of your hosts tonight, Random Dave. Random Dave, uh, joined sometimes by Steve the Cat. <clears throat> yes. Yes, Steve. Yeah, I like Steve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like Steve, Steve more than I like Trevor. Like That's mainly why I stay with him when I'm out in New Brunswick, is just to visit the cat. Nobody tells Trevor, though. Dude, most people come here, and once they they come here for me, they come back for the cat, you know what I mean? Like, they meet me, but then when they meet Steve, it's all about about the kitty. And I get that. (laughs) I can't compete with Steve. He walks around with his head cocked to the side with this cute little effeminate meow. Like, how do you not love that? No, he's so adorable and cuddly and chubby little thing. He's not chubby. He's big boned. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Ruben-esque. He's a chonky unit. He is chonky. He's beefy. <laughs> beefy. He works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. He's, he's accumulating mass. All right. Yeah. Speaking of accumulating mass, uh, what we did in Guns This Week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Uh, and that mass is uh, is the Marlin 1895 CB4570 that they have. You'll be firing out 400 grain projectiles out of this 4570 <laughs> government. <laughs> if like if you're using the right projectiles, you could use 300s, but why? When there's 400s, right? mm. why? Yeah. Mm. Comes with a nine shot magazine. It's lever action, so it goes like this. It's not like this. It goes like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, uh... Hey, I don't even know what kind of assault weapon that is. <laughs> <laughs> Very old, uh, rusty. You know, if yeah. it's if you know hunters like them like this because they're accurate, and mass shooters like them like this because you can just spray a lot of yeah, bullets. Yeah, and it's, it's not accurate at all. Don't forget about but, that front foregrip too. You need two pistol grips for an assault weapon, right? Yeah, yeah. so you can spray the assault and miss. Uh, hunters don't like those. <clears throat> no, no. No, I never understood that theory because if I'm going to shoot a bunch of people, don't I want to hit them? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Not required, I guess. Mass pr- no. mass shooters don't like guns that hit people. The AR-15 I, can shoot 15 people a not. second. Yeah, in space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, if you want a forty-five seventy, <coughs> check out uh, Calgary Shooting Center. Uh, Trevor, did you want to start us off with what we did in guns this week? Okay. Um, so let's start off with uh, my Shadow Two here. Um, I ordered a spring kit from Czechoslovakia um, and a short reset disconnector and a competition hammer. Springs were worth it, but, you know, uh, Casper already hooked me up with some springs. But this one was a nine-pound recoil spring. Doesn't feel like super light for nine pounds, which I think is a good thing, right? There's a buffer in there, so I'm not worried about beating up the gun. Um, I went to a 10-pound mainspring, and I've got a trigger digital trigger scale here, and let's see what 
what we get now on the double action. So 6.85. So, you know, even though I went to a 10-pound mainspring, mm. it's still almost 7 pounds. 7 point, or 7.6.5 that time. Um, you swapped in the competition hammer? Yes. You might need to get some trigger time on it to uh, wear it in. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, the hammer and short disconnector is supposed to really clean up the reset. And I got to tell you, when I first put it in, I wasn't impressed. And I thought, nah, don't do it. Don't spend your money on the competition hammer and the short reset. Now, I don't know, man. Like here, you can see it in the video. Let me try and get it centered here. Yeah, and it looks there we good. Go. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty short. <laughs> it's pretty short, but here's here's the red back. It's now as good as the red back, I guess. Like I've said many times, the red back has. Cool. It it may have actually. Well, they're they're but, both based on the same system. Correct. They're they're both like a CZ seventy five style pistol, and there's only really so far you can take that trigger style before it's unsafe to use. Like you couldn't shorten it to like a mil like a, a, a fraction of a millimeter, <laughs> right? Huh? Oh wait, <laughs> sorry. Knows. I think we have someone on the show who's got personal experience with this. Found out. <laughs> yeah. This. Something gritty in the red in the red back right now. I don't know what it is. If it's a spring that's out of place, but it feels a little different. But anyway, um, I installed the uh, short reset and competition hammer into the um, shadow, shadow two, and um, it's definitely nice. Definitely nice. I was hoping for a a bit of a lighter double action, but you know, like you said, Adriel, with a little bit of trigger time, it may. Uh, it may get better. It's fantastic. It's still fantastic. I'd like to compare it now to a bone stock Shadow 2 to really see how much better my reset got. Because it's not like a... Oh, uh, uh, hi, Kim. Kim's on. It makes a difference. Um, yeah. No. No story No gallon. Tonight. We have a gallon fan on, mm. the, on the feed. So, anyway... Um, yeah, it definitely makes a difference. It's definitely better. I want to compare it to a bone stock to see exactly how much better. Um, but it's good. Okay, what else did I get up to? Um, I was fortunate enough to acquire two more of my father's firearms from um, the uh, executor of the estate. I uh, just, you know, I don't know that I don't know what happened with them. I don't know. They weren't specified in the will. Did he give them to my uncle before he passed? I don't know what was up with that. My uncle said he, my dad wanted me to have the 1022. I got the 1022. So then I thought I um, I asked him if he would be willing to sell me um, my father's Lee Enfield. I told him it was the first centerfire rifle I had ever fired, and if possible, I'd like to purchase it. So my uncle said, "Well, you can have it. It's not mine to sell." So excellent. Here it is. So it is a completely sporterized number one Mark III, and I mean it's sporterized. The front sight is the front barrel has been the front barrel. The barrel has been cut, Ugh. and it has, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, it was well done. Whoever did this did a good job. Everything is straight and true and stuff. How's that five? Round, how's that five round mag work? Is it well? Is that, it reliable? We'll get to that. 
I told you, man, it's completely been bubbled. I remember being reliable. I don't remember it ever ever being a problem, but that that just offends Ugh. me that people would do that. But the front sight was well done. The rear sight is factory. The um, clip guard or clip guide has been cut off, so that's unfortunate. So the receiver has been been molested a little bit. Um, do you remember me telling you, Adriel, that my all full wood number one Mark three wouldn't cock the hammer any or wouldn't wouldn't cock the bolt anymore? No, I don't think you did mention that. The trigger was like, when I got it, I was like, oh my God, it's so, so good. And you're like, you better drop test it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was showing it to somebody the other night and it wouldn't cock. I remember that. Hmm. Yeah. So like, what has worn that it won't cock? Or loosened. Anyway, what's that? Or loosened. Like if that yeah. if the sear is too low and it's just not catching on the... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I need to check everything. But in the meantime, I took the bolt out of my father's number one Mark three and put it in my number one Mark three, and so on, and everything works. So this mm. is actually the bolt out of my number one Mark three, and the bolt out of this gun huh. is in my gun, and they both work fine. So... Show um, us that magazine. You gotta, you gotta show us the magazine. I'll save man. the magazine for for last. <laughs> it's uh, this was issued. This is a 1917 SMLE, so it is a <laughs> short magazine Lee Enfield. Um, yeah, from 1917. It's got a bunch of marks on it or markings on it. Looks like a tree o tree to me. It is. This is exactly what they would refer to in New Brunswick as a tree ought tree. That's what this is. So yeah, unfortunately, there's the magazine. Many a FUD. Oh, oh, yep. Many a FUD thought that the uh, five round capacity was uh, applicable to all center fire, not just semi auto. And there are several of these um, destroyed magazines around Canada and around New Brunswick. Took a 10 round magazine, chopped it, and welded the base plate back on. Yeah, brazed probably, eh? Yep, brazed. Yeah. Yep, it's been neutered, uh, I Dave. I, I, think I, I think I just threw up and... Oh. Uh, sorry, Dave. Sorry. I'll put it back. I'll put it back. As, put it as, back. as someone who has molested just... like magazines and guns like all over the show, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's you, a... you shut up, you filthy peasant. <laughs> yeah. They left just a little bit so you can pull it out if, it, if you need to. Like if it was flush would. fit, you wouldn't... Yeah. 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 Well, it's kind of hard to feed with stripper clips right now. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. the guide's been chopped off, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, you top, you just top feeder. Yeah. Ugh. So, Ugh. the other gun I got back, well, I got back. This was never mine. Um, I got the Bacale from him. They're both IJ-18s, I believe. Let me check my notes here. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, no, I didn't put it in the notes. I think it's a Bacale IJ-18. Anyway, I've got one in 20 gauge. It was the first shotgun I ever fired, and I traded it with him recently because the Bacales have the, an internal hammer and they have this little cocking pin on the back of the tang that sticks out. This little pin right here that I'm pointing to for the uh, people who are watching, that tells you that the gun is, uh, the hammer's cocked and the gun's ready to fire. They've got some scroll work on them. It says made in USSR. This one has a duck on it on one side and a qu- um, quail yeah quail on the other side partridge. and nope it's not a partridge it's actually a woodcock sorry it is a woodcock very gross um russian letters and 18m also known as the ij18 anyway um so when i get down to my uncle's to pick up the 3-0-3 uh 
he says, uh, yeah, I also uh, have your dad's 12 gauge if you want it. I'm like, do I? Um, the first shotgun I shot was that 20 gauge Bacale. But <laughs> then um, this is the one that I would take hunting when I was in uh, high school. I started off on the 20 gauge, but then very quickly graduated to this one. So I have uh, bagged many a grouse with this shotgun. And it's not super fancy, but I am definitely proud to have it in my collection. Um, and I had found the the butt plate on his workbench downstairs oh. while cleaning up. But unfortunately, he had this butt plate on it. My father had something for increasing the length of pull on his shotguns. There it goes. Whatever, it's gone. And a little, and bit, has, a little bit of uh, uh, softness on that as well, right? Sure. It's a recoil pad, uh, but it was very ill-fitting. It did not fit the back of the firearm at all. So oh. fortunately, I found the original um, butt pad and put nice. it on so yeah she's complete again so nice to have that back in uh well not back in but in my possession so and it could be a little birdie told me that there's also a double barrel bacale coming my way <gasps> stay tuned for more on that uh i wouldn't say i'm a fan <laughs> no no cam you're not a fan uh Grafell makes a hammer spring for the Shadow 2 now. Of course he does. Tim Thomas, um, you know, is pointing out the fact that Eric Grafell switched from Tanfoglio to CZ. When Eric Grafell was shooting for Tanfoglio, he came up with his own line of aftermarket um, hop-up parts, go-fast parts for your Tanfoglio pistols. And then they actually started to sell the pistols with all those parts, and they called it the Extreme Line. So yeah. all of us are speculating it's just a matter of time before oh, he does that for the Shadow. That's how that worked. Huh. That's how that, that worked. Yep. Well, this gun here, this is a limited custom extreme. So what that means is Tanfoglio just put all of Eric's parts on it and sold it as is. And Eric mm. was apparently working on them himself before they went out of the factory initially. And this is a, one of the first generations. And this gun, I believe, was touched by the hand of Eric. It actually comes with a, <laughs> a, a certificate of authenticity and it's signed by him and all that stuff. And the reason why I think that he did touch this gun is this is the only firearm I've ever owned that I've not wanted to modify or improve. Right out the box, it shot well, it fit well, and I've never had the, any desire to touch it. I think the only thing I may have done is I may have gone to a lighter recoil spring. Hmm. So that's the extreme line. When he started, he... He had picked up a 1911 for a while, so I bought a couple of Tanfoglio 1911s thinking, okay, he's got a world championship in every division except Classic. <gasps> he's going to go after Classic next. This is just me speculating and wishing, right? So I bought some Tanfoglio 1911s before their price went through the roof. Um, and I was also anticipating an extreme line of 1911 parts, but my dreams were shattered when he went to CZ. All There's right, already a pile of people that make like extreme parts for the 1911. Yeah, and right now, I think, honestly, the best way to go since uh, STI has turned very cucky, um, Bull, man, just get Bull parts. The Bull parts, uh, Bull is making some race pistols, and they're providing a lot of affordable aftermarket STI parts. So, Okay, um, next, my nephew is uh, home early from university. And he is gone to get his firearms license. He's actually downtown right now, about five kilometers from me, sitting in a classroom, downtown. taking his 
<laughs> yeah, thank you, Adriel. It's like downtown Bonneville or yeah. Yeah. So downtown, downtown one block that way and the outskirts of town and one block that way. That's right. Um yeah, I, I, both sides of the tracks are the wrong side of the tracks in this town because it goes right through the middle. Anyway, he's uh, taking his, his, his PAL course. So he came here yesterday. Um, we went through some of the stuff in the book, Acts Improve at, at Nauseam. It's on every second page. And um, we, I brought him through how to do the manual of arms on all the different action types. Basically, I was, I was getting him ready so that when he picked up a firearm, he would handle it in such a way that the instructor could very easily tell that he knew what prove meant. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a, an acronym that he memorized, you know? And I told him, I was like, say them out loud while you're doing it. I am pointing. I am removing the ammunition. I am observing the chamber. I am verifying the feeding path. I am examining the bore with a cleaning rod. So anyway. Do do cleaning rod now? Uh, yeah, they've stopped asking you to point the gun at your face. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, right. I Treat every gun upset. as if it's loaded. Now point it at your face, dummy. <laughs> I mean, jeez. I get very upset at the range when people have just taken their pal. They're like, "Now I'm going to look down the barrel." I'm like, "What? Why would you look down the barrel? Because I fired the gun." <laughs> what are you expecting to see other than firing pin, like in a bolt face? I don't know. My instructor told me to do it. Well, your instructor is an idiot. Exactly. So, next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell people if they acquire a firearm, they don't know, but it doesn't matter. I tell everyone the first time, if you acquire a firearm that you've never fired before, uh, you need to inspect the bore. Oh, absolutely. But you not know, the range. No, not after you just fired it and you see a bullet hole in your target. What are you doing, numpty? Exactly. Yeah. That's so, following part of the, the steps cars, for safety, guys. You're not following the steps. You're t teaching the wrong stuff based on what's <laughs> in the CFSC. My wow. instructor actually told me that the reason you always check a gun is because your buddy at the range might have put something down the barrel as a joke. That's what he said. It's some mean I'm buddies. Like, you need to start shooting with better people that are less stupidest. <laughs> yes, that's what right. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to make sure that nobody put a twenty gauge into your twelve gauge barrel, right? That'll ruin your day. But anyway, and then um, finally, uh, my uncle, the guy who's the executor of my father's estate, wants to build a target rifle. He is into firearms. He does. He is into reloading, and he really likes high speed cartridges like varmint stuff. And he wants to get something built in six millimeter 250. So this is a 22 250 cartridge or case or the Savage 250 oh, case. What a oh, weird better. cartridge, man. Just Dude, shoot a 243. Gets, gets all right. That's what everybody else. Listen, you can't. No, you don't know. He knows. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> okay. Not only does he want a 22 250 necked to six millimeter, it must have an Ackley improved shoulder. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, we're, we're, I have a deal for you. Uh, <laughs> six millimeter Creedmoor <laughs> is a thing, and it yep. has a nice sharp shoulder on it, so you, it, the, your case flow isn't all that bad, and it's probably got all the stuff he actually wants, but in a commercially acceptable chambering. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Right there. You don't know. <clears throat> do, is, do you have one right there, Dave? Is that a six mil uh, Creedmoor? Uh, that, oh, hold on. One of these is a six mil. Uh, oh, no, that's a 6.5. You know what they, I don't? Mm -hmm. I don't have a six or a 6.5 <laughs> in my collection. Would you know. like some? I got a bunch of duds. Of course I would. 
Okay, I'll bring you some in the summer. Giddy up. Uh, I don't know where my six mil went. They got a pretty sharp shoulder on them. They're like, it, if, if he's after efficiency, like most guys who are chasing the Ackley thing, uh, they're pretty efficient and pretty low flow case design. Like your your super sloped shoulders there will flow more, and yep. uh, you won't get as many reloads out of them. But the sharp stuff is generally better and has better uh, capacity, right? Mm. Oh, there it is. Perfect. So there's a six, mm -hmm. and there's a six point five on the bottom. Cray cray. Yeah, those shoulders look reasonable to me, right? Yeah. They're not the, yeah, the silly Ackley shoulder. So, you know what I always tell people is, you know, realistically, um, I'm, is he going to hand load? Because he's going to have to hand of load. Of course. That, right? yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah so he's all set up for that already? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't buy anything. I can't buy a Canadian tire. Well, I mean, Dave, I believe there was only three cartridges, 2.23, 308, and 3.6. Everything else is just a gimmick. Uh, 30-06 can kiss my ass, 308. <laughs> having that, having that discussion you, today, a buddy you, of mine uh, posted on Gun Nuts. He said, yeah, I was drinking a lot over Christmas, and uh, I decided to be a dick, so I went on Gun Nuts and posted, here's all the cartridges I hate, 30-06. <laughs> <laughs> he had like 3,000 replies. <laughs> the only thing I have to say when it comes to the 308 versus 30-06 debate is people have the audacity to say the 308 today with modern powders will do what the 30-06 used to do. Well, guess what, Sparky? That same logic applies to the 30-06 because generally they use a lot of the same powders. So if the powder development has gone to a point where the 308 outperforms the old 30-06, well, then guess what? The old, the new, those powders help the 30-06 perform to like 300 wind mag standards. Yeah. I mean, if you need it to, this and keeps going up. The you paint. don't, you don't need it to perform at that. No, you don't. You no. don't. I mean, I've got a 30-06 that I shoot a 165 Hornady SST bullet out of on top of 52 or 54, I can't remember, grains of 4064. And it's sub-MOA out of my rifle, and I'm sure, I've never cronied it, and I don't care, because guess what? It's still a .30-06. It's going to mess up a moose or a deer or, you know, like... And in the bushes of New Brunswick, when you're right. 50 yards away from your moose or whatever, you just crank it. Your 308 yeah. would have dropped it just as easily. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. But and that's my thing with 30 odd six. As I look at it, and I'm like, I like for all practical ranges. To me, unless you're firing a really heavy bullet, I I don't know. I don't see what the point is. Tell you what, what's the point of 308 when you got six five Creedmoor? <laughs> What's the point of? Ooh, dun, dun, dun. Let's let's well, really throw it down. <laughs> what's the point of three hundred wood mag when you got thirty out six? What's the point of thirty out six when you got three oh three? Yeah, yeah. Let's really throw it down here. <laughs> <laughs> it was good enough for my great 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 granddad to shoot at the boars. It's good enough for me. <laughs> you may have put a few too many greats in there, like you went all the way back to Schneider Enfield on those greats, my friend. <laughs> no, maybe I'm really old. I don't know. <laughs> Could, <laughs> <really> be. <young. laughs> Could be, but the cartridge is not as old as you just made it sound. So, to wrap up, I am on the hunt for a large ring Mauser action because this build has to be on a Mauser action. 
Well, that's uh, that's harkening back to some yesteryear stuff. I got, you got to get a. This is stuff that I used to read in like gun books when I was like a little kid. You get a large ring Mauser action, and then you build it on some weirdo cartridge, and uh, you welcome to my world it. right now. Uh, you bet it in a Woodstock. Of and, course. Uh... <laughs> You're then finally you starting. Then you tie an onion on your belt, and you pay for it with two nickels with a bumblebee on them. <laughs> Such was the style at the time. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, Adriel, what about you? Oh, let's see. I haven't, I haven't been shooting again. It's uh, just been weird timing, but uh, I did a bunch more maple seed arranging. Got some of that Excellent. arranging going on, so I'm going to be doing a whole ton of those things. Uh, bought some CCI standard velocity on the show. Uh, last week when we were on it, uh, the uh, that mag dump, that local company here at Edmonton, they were selling a CCISV for, again, the cheapest I've seen it in a year or two. So I got like, I don't know how much I got, maybe 2,000 rounds, something like that. That sounds like yeah. me. Uh, yeah, I got some 1911 grips. I ordered them from AliExpress, so they came straight in from uh, from Wuhan. And Do not uh, say the price, because we just sold the set from the shop. Mm-hmm. <coughs> And I don't want that person to be upset. Okay. But they weren't like Chinese ones, right? No, they were Colt. They were really okay. nice. Okay. <laughs> these, these are not Colt grips. Okay. Probably worth like I mean, $5 that you paid or whatever it was. This guy ten. paid probably... Oh, oh big spender. This guy probably paid, uh, you know, almost a fourth of what they would be worth, really. But still not what you paid. Remember, like, when you opened up that package, you breathed in the coronavirus I took air, a nice you know deep that. breath, yeah. I got okay. it right in there. Right. And you're like, that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go visit some, soup. some uh, old uh, old folks' homes after this and uh, cough, cough on, on their them. food. Yeah. yeah, yeah. cough right directly into their mouth if I can. Look at me. But, uh, Look at me. <laughs> go eat a bat. You're the devil. <laughs> you're the one who hates <laughs> orphans. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I wouldn't cough in their f- wait. No, I would totally cough in their. F- there we go. <laughs> Anyways, gave them food. Uh, yeah. So I got uh, I got two sets of grips in. One was like a, a, a laminate uh, with a check ring on it, and mm-hmm. the other one was a Cocobolo uh, smooth grip, and they were ten bucks a pair. And uh, I said the holes on them. <laughs> Uh, needed a little bit of extra finesse because they were not deep enough and the screws like sat way proud on them. So I, like I had to, I had to put some work into them. They're not like pull them out of the box, put them on your gun, and you're done because uh, it's, it's AliExpress. <laughs> I don't even know what AliExpress is. It's uh, Amazon, but only for stuff from China. So it's Amazon. No, Amazon. Most of the stuff, most of the stuff for Amazon is located here, so the shipping will be fast with Amazon. The price will always be a little bit more. Whereas on AliExpress, the price will be the best. The shipping will take a while. Yeah, and it might and it might come with a free coronavirus in there if you want one, right? Ooh, bonus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now that I like put them on my guns, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I was even thinking. But it was ten bucks a pair, so I don't really care. It's only the environment. Screw that uh, guy. You know, someone had to put it on a cargo ship and burn bunker oil to bring it over here. But fantastic! Now I don't. Now I see. I don't like it. Now that I see it in my hand. <laughs> yeah. No kid. Well, uh, what did you expect? Do you really go? This I don't will be care a, though. Like I like the greatest of, thing I have ever purchased. <laughs> a lot of this stuff I, I get off eBay or AliExpress or something like that. I buy it and it's like it might work and it might not and I don't really care. I just want to like try it out and if it doesn't work, fantastic. 
I'll do a okay, review well, on on YouTube, bring, and I'll make uh, I'll make fifty bucks off uh, off the ad revenue from that, and that the thing cost me ten. So who cares? Yeah, huh? no, yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, well, bring me I, some of yours, guys. They just canceled school for tomorrow. That's how bad the snowstorm is going to be. They're calling for up to forty centimeters. I've never seen school canceled <laughs> the day before. Forty centimeters. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, bring some of that here. We got like we got squats and noise. She's so excited. She ran up the stairs to tell me she's out of breath. (laughs) Sweet, adorable. Hey, hey, Trevor's Trevor's better half on the the show. Much better half. Oh, stop! They keep calling you the better half. Vastly superior. Bring me a drink and a sandwich, and I'll consider it. Uh, what else? I got to uh, I got to buy another AR15 buffer. Uh, I had one. I've got like a like my safe is bolted to the wall. It's got a space underneath it because I don't have it like right on the floor. I've got uh, I've got it on like a little mini pallet, and uh, a buffer like <laughs> rolled under that thing, and I can't get it. It's uh, it's gone. It's so I'm gonna have to buy another buffer. But that's okay. I wanted another one anyways because <laughs> I've got that little uh, 10 inch AR. So I'm gonna get like an H2 buffer or something like that. Maybe make it cycle a little bit better. Yeah. And when you move, you'll 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 have one of those things, like finding a twenty, yeah. like finding a twenty in your winter coat in the uh, next fall. That happened to me. I put I put on my leather coat the other day. Unfortunately, it was fifteen bucks, but whatever. It still went on. You know, horrible things. Still a, yeah, a happy surprise. Happens. Yeah, I, man. I found that in my pocket uh, this year when I uh, went through my winter jacket. I had five slugs sitting in there. I'm like, <laughs> woohoo! That's even better than twenty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Score. And then uh, I think I'm going to hit the range uh, this weekend and get some uh, get some reviews going. I've been sitting on a couple of 22s. I got to review them, so I'm going to go get some uh, some rounds down range and uh, get some footage and test some accuracy and reliability and whatnot. I've got a Savage 64 takedown, Savage A22, and more. I don't know. I can't even think of what like how <laughs> many guns more. I've got that are just like sitting there with the factory grease still on them, haven't been molested or shot or anything. And yeah, I got to get out and, and shoot those things. We've had a cold winter, so. Like I, I could take an inventory right now of guns that I've actually n- n- either only shot once or not shot, and it feels like half. If it's shot once or haven't shot, it's definitely half. Like, it's just silly. If I didn't review guns, I would probably have the most boring utilitarian collection. I would have one good hunting rifle, probably a Tika T3 in 308 or 65 Creedmoor if I wanted to get my soy boy on. Uh, I would have a AR-15, a semi-auto shotgun, and a pistol for three gun. See, I don't even yeah, shoot my guns very much, and I've got 30... I'm not even sure how many guns I have right now, but I haven't fired three quarters of them. So. And how many of you, who among us, have bought a gun and sold it before we even fired it? Yeah, I sold a Tavor and an SL8 with them, and then never shot them. But that's like that's because we watch for deals, and we 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 know what the price of something is. So you might find something on sale for way below its market value, and yeah. then buy it. And then one of your buddies is like, "Whoa, I need that," and you give it to him for a deal. Still make a little more money on it. Yeah, I also, I also, of course, I also think Adriel, there was a time that. I bought a gun from someone, and before it even made it to me, they turned around and shipped it to somebody else. <laughs> I have had that happen. Have you ever had... Well, I feel a, like you were part of this. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I bought the... Sh- oh. 
Yes, I think I was part of that too. It was one of those shotguns. Have you ever had a friend of yours sell a gun of yours without asking? No, <laughs> <laughs> no but Pospolita would do that. Never leave your stuff at his. If anybody was going to do this, it would be Pospy. Pospy broke into Filthy South once and stole the modem out of his computer. <laughs> okay. Because he like he like needed one or something. And, yeah. I broke into a friend's house one time and swapped the RAM out of his computer because I needed four sticks. He had four in his computer, so I gave him two higher capacity sticks, stole his four, and then let him know afterwards. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that was a favor. Yeah. <laughs> that was an upgrade. Your faster. That was a that was that wasn't a break and enter, that was a break and upgrade. <laughs> a break and upgrade. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I'm bad at this whole criminal thing. I'm I'm getting there. You got the right accent, though. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, that's true. it for me. Dave, what's up with you? Uh, I actually have stuff this time. Um, Dante Incorporated in Montreal had some stupid, stupid good deals on Nikon rifle scopes. Mm -hmm. So I finally got my beautiful Tasco 1980s high ring nastiness that was on my uh, 1022 i found I was the parts box i want that for my 1022 <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was on if i find a really old 1022 around i'm actually tempted to buy it and just leave this on it just to have like all the classic optic right i had one from 84 <laughs> i think i sold it to maple seed oh did you yeah it's no. all original all metal where the plastic is now Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah. I'll talk to Kelly, see if I can buy that from Maple Seed. So that's I now very have, nice, Dave. Yeah. So my stainless steel Ruger now has a, uh, a uh, what the hell is this? It's a tactical rimfire 7, 2 by 7 by 32 and it's all nice and clicky and tactical. And oh, it's, it's really a Nikon? Fancy. Looks like you could Nikon. get it. Looks like you could get it down like another quarter of an inch, unless it's going to hit at the back there. Oh, it's it's the the ring is like oh. half a millimeter away from touching. Yeah, it's that's so always close. the issue I have with the ten twenty two. So I want to mount the scope a little bit yeah. further forward, but then you can't get it low because that belt is in the way. Exactly. Yeah. Dave, is that a M twenty two or a P twenty two? Uh, the model is. It is a BDC 150. Does the turret have like 25, 75, 50, 100 on it? Well, it's got a bullet drop reticule in it. It's actually oh. quarter, quarter MOA clicks. Okay. Because I so have a. Got, uh, yeah. All right. I've got almost the identical scope, but my turret is like you zeroed at 50 and then you can turn it 75, 100, whatever. Yeah. I don't like those because I'm planning on going out to three to 500 with this don't thing. Don't really work anyway. No, they don't. So, it only works with one weight at one speed. Exactly. The reason I got this one, it's got the bullet drop uh, reticule inside it, which I also hate, but it's a nice clean crosshair. And the other version they have has a really, really busy crosshair with all sorts of stadia lines and all sorts of BS in there that I hate. <clears throat> I just like, like a nice clean crosshair. It, yeah. You could always find out what those drops are for your rifle and your ammo combo and maybe use them if you know what they well, are. That's, that's my plan. Like it is, it is clickable and it's got lots of lots of range in there. So I'm probably I'm going to do that. But I am going to use the the BDC once I figure them out, just for quick shots. If I'm doing like a 25 and then a 150 or something on a fairly large target, why not? I'll hit the target. That's all I care about. Mm -hmm. So I got that, and then I got these. I wanted to get a 
a 20 MOA rail for it because I'm going to be doing long range stuff. And then uh, I was talking with uh, Mike over at Elwood Apps, and he suggested that I try out these Burris, um, what the hell are they called? Signature Z rings. Yep. So they've got the little insert in them, and you can mm -hmm. get different inserts. So you can put a plus 20 on the back and a minus 20 on the front and mm -hmm. get like crazy elevations out of the thing. So I didn't know it only came with zero inserts. You got to buy the other inserts. No, separately. they should. Uh, which one is that? <laughs> they should come with a zero and then a, a ten, so you can get a plus ten and a minus. How many? How many inserts are in there? Two. Uh, and they're in the rings, and they didn't come with any extra. Nope. Nope. Nothing oh, in the rings. Burns. Yeah. Now that is interesting. You mentioned that because now that I think about it, I think it said it came with four, but it didn't. It came with two. Nothing else in the package. Oh well. No. Yeah, I've got I've got some uh, uh, signature Z rings, and yeah, I use them for the same thing. You jack up the back and put down the front, and you get some extra elevation out of it. Yeah. Works pretty good, or? Yeah. Yeah, works great. And the closer in your rings are, the more extreme that actually is. So if they're further mm -hmm. out, it's less, and if they're closer in, it'll end up being more. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of a cool solution without having to pay all sorts of money for a new rail because the rings were fifty bucks, and uh, yeah. they won't mark your scope. So if you swap scopes yeah. in and out, it, they'd look gr great. Yeah, I thought that was nice. That was mentioned in there. That's a nice point. The, and the they, cheap uh, option on that one too, nicely. because because it's a rail, the cheap option is to just put some garbage underneath the back and then screw it down on top of it. it yeah, you can shim oh, it up okay. with like some aluminum pop cans or something like that, and that'll get you some uh, some extra range. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I ordered a rail as well because I didn't really realize that my 1022 had a rail. It's been in my safe for a long time, so I thought it just had the uh, I thought it just had the slots for the crappy old scope rail, but it's it's actually a Weaver slash Picatinny type rail on the top of it. So I now have a spare rail off to return apps. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> uh, but I'm in, I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm going to try this for some Excuse of. Excuse me, uh, Dave. Yeah. What kind of rail? Uh, Weaver rail. It's a Weaver rail. So how is it different from the factory rail that comes with the 1022? It isn't. Very good. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't realize I had a rail on it. So how, many, how much uh, how much elevation is possible in that scope? Do you know what the max is? I don't. Because the don't. other thing you could do is you <clears throat> could get a you could get some cant in your rail and in the rings and go like way out there. Yeah, as long as I can get out to three, I'm good because that's the furthest oh, I'm it, probably going to shoot it. But I might, uh, I might try a little further. We'll see. Maybe try some 500 yard and see. Uh, <laughs> 500 is hard to do. You know, that's where you need to combine a couple of different things to uh, to make it happen. Yes, yeah. uh, it's a it's a lot of elevation. Yeah, it are you is. shooting high velocity? I'm shooting Remington Golden Bucket. Oh I my don't god! Yeah. I don't even know what that is. I have a garbage. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Ah, you know yeah. what? It works. Works okay in this gun. I don't know. I shot maple seed with it, and I was shooting two hundred yards, and I was, I don't know. I was hitting a figure eleven. Nikon you does know, not list a. That's uh, a P tactical. That's the version you've got there. Uh, hmm. They do not list the max elevation in their tech specs for this thing. Well, I'll spin her up and see what it does. Yeah. I was surprised actually. My crappy little uh, Tasco. I brought it up 100 and 
40 clicks, I think, to get myself on around 300 yards. And uh, it had the elevation. Very good. Wow. It worked. I don't know. <laughs> was, that, was that Tasco one of those fixed fours? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some of the low low magnification scopes have like a crazy amount, like your one one and a halfs or one to fours and that kind of thing. A lot yeah. of those have like a hundred thirty MOA. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, it worked, but it is time to say goodbye to the scope that I've had in my junk bin for like thirty years and get something decent. So this scope was normally two, I think normally two sixty or two seventy. They had them on sale for one sixty. Oh, that's good. That's really so. Nice. Whatever it. I kind of wanted, like I said, I wanted to get something better. So we'll see. Uh, I'm going to take this out and shoot some 300-yard matches this year, and we'll see how see how she does because everybody else is shooting 6.5s and 30-06s and 308s, and it's an expensive day, and I go out and, you know, shoot 100 rounds. It's like, man, whatever. <laughs> didn't cost me anything. Yeah. The uh, scope turrets, does it move up and down when you unscrew it or screw it? Does it have lines on there that witness how many rotations it's done? It does. Sweet. And yeah. one thing I thought was really cool about this is when you want to zero it, you don't have to take the, uh, when you zero it, you do your adjustments to zero it, and then you just pull the cap up and Twist rotate it. the cap yeah. and then drop it. I've never seen that before. That's really cool. Yeah, that's nice. Because then if you go out and, uh, I don't know, there's like a, a consistent two-mile breeze or something like that, you can just pop it over a little bit and call it a day. Yeah, yeah, I thought that's a really nice scope. And I have a, a buddy who does long range stuff, and all of his scopes, everything he owns on all his guns, his 22s, his ARs, his long range stuff, all Nikon, and he swears by them for the price. And yet, yet they're going out of business. Yeah. Oh, well, they're getting out of the scope business. Yeah. Yeah, which is too bad, but I don't know if they're just not selling enough scopes or. I don't know what's going on there, but they are uh, they are pretty awesome. I'm, it's a pretty. Pretty tight market, man. Yeah. Vortex. Yep. Think of like 10 years ago, no Vortex. Think about now, like they're eating up. They're eating those guys' lunches. Vortex yeah. Nation. Yeah. I looked at their stuff, but it was a lot more money, so I went this way. <laughs> and we'll see. Uh, what else did I do? My AR-15 upper build parts are all rolling in, so I got a bunch of stuff there off of Maple Ridge Armory in Barrie couple weeks ago so i got my ibi barrel in my 18 and a half so i'm going to build this as like a dm uh, designated marksman upper do uh do uh way, cat do uh do 800 yard range uh, 800 yard matches with my air kind of so, bullet are you gonna shoot i don't know pointy one yeah 55 green blaster american eagle 55 grand, I think like 40. <laughs> it's lighter yeah, and it's faster, good. therefore it'll get it there quicker. It's more accurate. It's better. That's probably it uh, probably 60, whatever they are, 68, 69s. Okay. Whatever I can feed out of a magazine, because i got to mag feed the thing. 77s. Oh, yeah, you can get them short enough in the... Yeah, absolutely. You get your right. OAA short enough? Yeah. Huh? yeah. yeah. That's what's in the RCMP uh, patrol carbines. Why? Why are they going right. for 77s? Because they're shooting IVI jacketed hollow point. They're well, not... Why don't they, they just don't, shoot whatever 55 grain full metal jacket and just... Because they want to let more light in. Never know when you might need to do an 800-yard engagement. <laughs> what yeah. would you rather shoot somebody uh, with at any distance? 55 grain full metal jacket or a 77 grain jacketed hollow point? 55 because it's going faster. 
whatever, man. Big holes. Yeah. Well, the hole's probably the same size, unless it tumbles. They well, all like those 55s tumble like crazy. No, those 75s open up and make big wound channels. Probably. 77s, rather. Shoot them multiple times. <laughs> 30 rounds, just keep 55 shooting. grains cheap, just keep just keep pulling the trigger. <laughs> I don't think they care about the price. It's nope. your tax dollars. Yeah, We're paying, tax dollars. Yeah. yeah. They do tend to shoot very nice ammo. I was looking at some of the OPP uh, ammunition. I'm like, mm, this, is, this is quite nice, actually. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm waiting on some parts from Trevenator there. Once I get my gas block, I'm going to uh, put my upper together. So that's my first upper. So I'm all excited about that. Uh, what else did I do? Blah, blah. Uh, looking for a Tavor. So if anybody happens to have a Tavor for sale, let me know. Uh, the petition's over 150,000 signatures. Yay. If you haven't signed it, go sign it. And I'm going to mock Kelly because she said McGlock last week. So I'm calling anyone who, any, anytime I see a Glock now, it's now McGlock. Is it McGlock or is it like McGlock? Like Malady? Yeah. McGlock. McGlock. Tips the fedora. McGlock. Yeah. McGlock. McGlock. Awesome. And that is it. Sweet. All right. Why don't we get on to the upcoming events? Uh, TACOM Canada is coming up September 11th to 13th. We'll be there. Check it out. They got some early birds tickets on sale. Uh, if you head on over to TACOMCanada.com, type in early bird 15 off, you'll get 15% off your TACOM ticket. Uh, 10th annual podcast charity shoot will be at Rescue Gun Club Saturday, July 4th. And Ooh. we'll let you know when payments will be open for that. That one is. Oh, no, this one's still on. The uh, CCFR policy talk will be February 11th, 2019. I think this is in Toronto. And uh, if you want to head on out to that, it's on Eventbrite. So search Eventbrite for policy talk, CCFR policy talk. Let's talk solutions, that kind of thing. You'll yeah, find it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and go down to that. Very cool. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We don't have that kind of stuff in not in not the center of the universe where where the rest of us are at. <laughs> True. Yeah. I've got an hour and a half drive down to the center of the universe, but I think I'll go. That's just yeah. traffic. You're just you're probably like like three blocks away. From <laughs> yeah, three blocks. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Why don't we get onto the news? Uh, the first one here: Cheryl Gallant has uh, challenged her fellow MPs to take a firearms training course. Uh, she presented an open letter. Uh, early on this year, that was kind of interesting. Good for Cheryl. Yeah, yeah. Put a little bit of pressure on them. Stick, stick it a little bit. You guys are supposed to know about this stuff that you're legislating and you don't know about. Uh, this... you know, politicians don't tend to know anything about most of the things. It's it's remarkable when you hear them talking, and it's a lot of it's frightening. Is what, what it is. Saying? Mm, yeah, like that whole Billy Madison thing. We are now dumber for having listened to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can kind of understand why that happens because you can't be a specialist about everything, but you should have a basic idea of what in the hell you're talking about and whether politically, is it just politics or does it actually make sense? And I think most of the time it's just politics. So they're just spewing the party line, whatever it is. Or, well, I mean, the, when they're the dumbest, it's not spewing the party line and it's them like riffing off of it and trying to like piece together some lore <laughs> of what they think is real and some myths. Those are the yeah. most entertaining, I think. But That's true. That does make for the best memes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Shoulder that thing that goes up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, the ghost guns. Ghost guns, yeah. 30 clips per second. 30 clips per second. Fantastic. Oh. 
Have you guys seen oh, that? The, have awesome. you guys seen that Japanese machine gun that takes clips? It's clip fed. I have, yeah, World War Two one, right? Oh yeah, it's got like this little magical hopper. You take like little five round clips and you just yeah, stick those stick in, in there, and it's got the spring loaded thing that pushes them in. Oh, it's yep. such a cool idea. I can't imagine it works like at all, but uh, man, so cool looking. Uh, looking at a lot of their stuff from World War Two, I'm shocked it worked. <laughs> <laughs> just they had some crazy designs, different uh, mindset, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I like the clip-fed one. That seems so clever, but yeah, easy to top off. Uh, this next one, this came uh, kind of came as a surprise to me when I saw it pop up, but uh, um, uh, a couple of people have been trying to, uh, including Tracy Wilson, have been trying to get Ducks Unlimited to share uh, the petition uh, to, uh, to not uh, have the Liberal Party use an OIC to uh, ban a pile of guns. And uh, Ducks Unlimited isn't going to share it, and the reason is uh, they're not about hunting, their focus is strictly on wetlands conservation, uh, environmental and habitat. Uh, while while some waterfowl hunters may benefit from the wetlands projects they do, it's not the focus of, of the organization. It's donors or its mandate. They're not a hunting organization. Would this you... this is a surprise to me. I, I did not know about this. I know about like like my grandpa's got like guns with Ducks Unlimited like engraved on the side, right. and I, I mean... thought that they were uh, yes I... conservation. But like also hunting. Well, they Ducks Unlimited was founded by duck hunters who wanted to protect wetlands, so they would always have a place to hunt ducks. No wetlands, no ducks, no duck yeah. hunting. Mm-hmm. They've since turned into environmental leftist safe space for ducks. Um, I'm pissed because they take money from duck hunters all the time. They uh, auction off their crappy prints in gun shops in. Mm-hmm at gun clubs, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they rely on firearms owners to raise money for them all the time. So I told them that today I called them out on their national Canadian Facebook page, Atlantic Canadian Facebook page. And I sent them a PM. Would you like to hear the response? Yes. <laughs> all right. They replied to me and said, firearms and hunting accessories are often used as part of duck ducks unlimited Canada fundraising activities as a way to celebrate and recognize the hunting and conservation lifestyle. The debate around firearms legislation, however, is a different thing. It involves decisions and expertise that falls outside of our standard mission of wetland conservation. We recognize the value of waterfowl hunters in the establishment and ongoing success of Ducks Unlimited. Kiss me arse anyway, because if you take away my semi-auto 12-gauge, I might not be able to hunt ducks. Well, not as effectively, yeah. Uh, I have... I was arguing with someone on Reddit. Wait, let me find this link. Uh, 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 I've got a link for you guys. Where is the stupid thing? Uh, 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 Long story short, uh, the federal government is funding Ducks Unlimited a billion bucks over... uh, some some time period so uh they don't need your money yeah yeah could be why they're not willing to <laughs> because save they money. already got it because <laughs> they got it through your tax money <laughs> yeah my uh, uh my rifle association has a policy that they don't get involved in politics as well so we have uh because they feel that they are a, a non-profit so if they open their mouths their non-profit status may get pulled so i think i think like that in, is in yesteryear, that 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 was the way that people approached it. 
We don't get involved. This is politics. We uh, let, let anyone from any political streams uh, join our organization, and we don't want anyone to feel excluded. And I think that's okay. But there won't be an organization to uh, protect, or there won't, won't be an activity to protect. Like, how are we supposed to do rifle competitions if they eliminate all the rifles that we traditionally use for rifle competition? If we can't use an AR-15, if uh, the Enfields uh, uh, get something, if uh, we can't compete with M1 Garands, all this stuff that we historically competed with, like what's what's going to happen to these shooting sports? They're going to tank. Like uh, oh, waterfowl yeah. hunting by itself is is not doing uh, a tremendously good right now. And uh, like after after seeing this uh, this note, like they're they're not a hunting organization. I was looking into it. Yeah, I mean like they they still do a couple of hunting things. They so they still do uh, uh, like promote uh, waterfowl hunting. Uh, <coughs> But not a lot, and it's not like it is definitely not there in their mission statement, which I think if the hunters knew, they probably wouldn't be donating like they are right now. They probably assume that when they donate to Ducks Unlimited, it's for conservation primarily, but also to encourage the next generation of youth duck hunters, waterfowl yeah, hunters. Yeah, they do offer um, educational programs, and it's not just about conservation. Mostly conservation, though. 80% of their funding goes towards conservation. Anyways, so the long story short, if you uh, if you want more youth hunters and if you want uh, waterfowl hunting to continue, uh, Delta... Delta... Jeez, I'm, yeah. It's, it's... Yeah. Delta something. Delta waterfowl, Delta hunt, duck hunting. I don't know. Delta. They, that's what they do, is purely focus on encouraging youth to uh, to get into waterfowling and that's what you need to do you need to get youth into it because uh they will uh they're supposed to be the next generation coming up yeah same with uh, all of our stuff not whatever you do unlimited. get kids doing it yeah i mean right. I, I, like ducks doesn't need your money anymore they've got a crap ton of your money already through through tax money so uh fund another organization fund another yeah. organization they'll, they'll they'll be good to go for a while at least in conserving and, and keeping those wetlands projects going. More good news? How about more good news? Airbnb yep. is donating $300,000 to the docks for protection from guns over the next three years. So Airbnb had a, a shooting in one of their uh, Toronto uh, rental units, uh, which I guess is a thing, right? Like a bunch of young people will uh, not trash their own place. They will rent an Airbnb and they'll have a party there. And some of these parties get a little bit crazy and sometimes they fight and stab and shoot each other. And uh, such thing happened in Toronto. And uh, the response of, a, of an American company was to fly down a VP and uh, fund an anti-gun organization in, uh, in Canada. That was, that was their approach to that. Yeah, nice response, guys. Thanks for not doing anything useful. But the funny thing is, is that now, like, uh, uh, there's been a couple of times where, uh, in hearings, they've been trying to claim the CCFR is funded by foreign interests and corporate, uh, corporate evil uh, enterprises it. and that kind of thing. Prove it, prove it, or shut up, or I'll sue you. But now, uh, the Docs for Protection from Guns are the ones who are for funded by foreign corporate interests. Exactly. <laughs> They're now a well-funded American-style lobby group. Yeah, yeah. But that's With okay. No exaggeration. That is a hundred percent fact. Yep. Yeah. The irony is not lost on us, as Tracy would say. 
Yeah, but they, crazy. I mean, that's always been the case. You know, you you if you track the money back, who's funding some of these groups? Not not our side, because whatever we're all we're all grassroots funded for the most part. But I mean, their stuff, a lot of their stuff is government grants or foreign foreign stuff coming in. But nobody seems to care. Like it isn't like a you know, oh well, whatever. Because the means only matter when it's the opponent. And it doesn't, the means don't matter when it's you that are using the means to your That's end. Okay. That's right. I can use yeah. it, but you can't. Yeah. It's okay that uh, they're foreign funded because it's a good mission and the end, the end result is good. Yeah. Always justifies the means. Yep. All right. Let's uh, move on to something else. Uh, Canada is adopting uh, red flag laws. Did you guys know that we're, we're finally getting these? No. Finally. I, they were introduced in like the mid 80s. But, oh, yeah. You know, hey. What apparently do I not? Apparently not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Canada's off uh, adopting red flag laws. Now that the, I don't know if you guys looked into like what's involved with this, but it, this is a real weird thing. So right now, anyone can call the CFO up and be like, "Yo, I got a safety concern about this," and give some details, and the CFO will, I don't know, think about it, investigate, send a local police officer out if it's something serious. That local police officer can. With a warrant, search your house and seize your guns if they feel necessary. Without a warrant, search your house and seize your guns. But yeah, that's a little public, bit more risky. Public safety search. Correct. Yeah. Yep. There's actually a, there's a couple of them. If they think that you're uh, a risk to yourself or someone else, yep. uh, they, they don't can just, need a warrant. They don't need a warrant. They can just take it. That's reasonable. They can just do it. Um, this new one, uh, instead, what you can do is. Uh, a police officer or educator or your dog walker or anyone, it seems, uh, can petition the court, petition a judge, to uh, to have your firearms seized. And the judge will make a ruling on it. And then they'll do something. I don't know. Tell the cop. Well, do you remember case. the Jesse Sansoni case in Ontario? No. Which one was that? That was the one where the kinder, kid, kindergartner... Drew yep. a picture of her daddy with his gun that he uses to shoot monsters or bad guys or something. The teacher brought it to the principal. The principal called the social worker. The social worker called the police. The police arrested him at the school when he went to pick up his daughter. This all happened the same day. Took him into the police station and uh, had him strip searched and searched his home, all nine yards. I don't even think there was a firearm in the home. No, he didn't own guns. I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you they didn't find any monsters under the bed either. I wonder if they checked for those just in case. Probably right? not. Wasn't on, no. wasn't on the warrant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, stuff like that. Like, I, I can, you know, cool. Somebody calls in, potential gun threat. Good. Check it out. But don't do this huge overreaction. I mean, I'm at the school. Uh, I'm not running at you guns blazing. Like, Chill mm -hmm. out, man. Like, yeah, exactly. On. So um, that that's the status of, of where our uh, red flags are today, uh, which yeah. means, which basically we have them. We have red flag laws, and you can call the cops, and the cops will do their thing. Uh, this other this other method of uh, uh, Drummond was uh, uh, from the guns for protection from docks or whatever. Oh, I love that guy. Uh, yeah, he was quoted <sighs> in these articles, and he was saying, oh, yeah, well, this is going to be a faster way to, to seize guns from people, and I just can't see that. Uh, going Petitioning a court with uh, multiple witnesses trying to make a case that someone doesn't 
deserve their guns anymore, and that's going to be faster than a yeah. cop going out there and doing an investigation. Can't be. Can't be. Kalen Langman responded to that. Did you guys see his response? I did not. Oh, it was freaking awesome. He basically said, I'm a doctor. I've done this before. I call the cops, and the cops go out and seize the guns. Ta-da! We yeah. already have this on the law. Piss off. Love well, that Well, we already have it on the law, and now we're going to add, like, uh, we have a problem with police resources. We have a problem with resources. Yeah. Uh, Apparently not. We have a problem with court resources. Many people go uh, uh, way too long waiting for a court case. So what's the solution yeah. to uh, the cops potentially not doing their job and showing up to someone's house and, and uh, seizing their firearms or at least investigating? Let's do let's let's add a court case on top. This is yeah. this is more inefficient. This doesn't help anything. And I don't imagine that this will ever really be used because, frankly, if somebody is an imminent threat to themselves, are you really gonna screw around for that long? I mean, would you not just call the cops? The cops go, okay, we'll go check it out, and they have the power necessary to do what yeah. they need to do. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just it's just to look good. That's all it is. Yeah. Look what we're Man. doing. The red flag thing's a big thing in the U.S. newspaper. <laughs> no, like, we need that. that. Yeah, we already have it. I'll make another one. Put yeah. another one on top. Let's make another After red flag. Here, we're doing something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, the next one's cool. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see any pictures of them yet, and they got pictures now. Uh, Delask Arms. Uh, they actually sold out their first uh, run of them, but they're making a GSG sixteen. That is uh, non-restricted and has a very short barrel on it. And the way that they're able to do this is the OAL is still legal. So they're pinning the stocks to all the way open. And uh, and you can run a shorter barrel on them. So they look cool. Nine inch. Nine inch barrel as opposed to 16. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Neat. It looks better. Like with the short barrel and the full length stock, it does look better. Better. Yeah. Apparently yeah, they're badass. apparently they also have some MP5 stocks. I heard, so they might be able to like that's the standard GSG 16 stock on there. I think yeah. they have some MP5 stocks that they can use on there. Yeah, they look pretty badass with the uh, with the MP5 kit on them. Um, uh, what's the names? Maple Ridge had one, and they have the MP5 kits for it. And I'm like, that's that's pretty badass. I like that. That's fun. Yeah, I'm tempted. I may buy one. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, I see you adding some precious, uh, precious new line items on, uh, on the list it, there. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, Canada adopting red gun flags should have went under news, not gun stuff. It's not really like when I think a new gun stuff segment, I think of products that we're gonna critique. But since we're, I, I add know, stuff to our links like at two a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if we can talk about that in our new gun stuff, then we can talk about. Um, Gun industry uh, gossip and drama. I don't know how many of the listeners are following the Jade's truck versus Terran Tactical on Instagram. A little bit of background. Terran Tactical is a, a firearms instructor and trainer to the stars. He trains Keanu Reeves whenever he's doing movies. So he's got this really cool range and people go to train with him. And I actually know an Ipsic shooter who uh, I see at large matches in Canada, she went there to get some, some training with him and his, you know, employees basically. And I don't want to, I will, I will use the term gun bunny 
Whether it applies to these females or not, I don't know. They're scantily clad, shooting guns, but they're not just models holding a gun that don't have a clue. So they're more than gun bunnies. Some of them are, are very good at uh, at shooting and very good at shooting competitions. One in particular was a lady by the name of Jade's Truck. <laughs> well, Jade's Truck is hashtag me tooed, um, Taryn. Oof. There was a, yeah, this happened right before SHOT Show. A creepy video dropped of Taryn asking to see the, the edge of the precious. The memes that ensued were hilarious. Anyway, Taryn's talking to her, and he's trying to talk her into dropping her pants. And she pulls her yep. on video. Yeah, he's pointing his phone at her. And uh, come on, let's see the precious. Let's see the precious. It's creepy as all ghetto because Taryn is a man who's got to be in his late 40s. And Jade is her time, employer. Employer. <laughs> and she was 18. So this happened. The, the video dropped. So she, all of her ties with Taryn seemed to be cut right before shot show. Yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just perfect, perfect timing, right? Ugh. So if you follow them on Instagram, you notice all of a sudden that Jade's truck is not associated with Taryn tactical anymore. Then the video is, I don't know, we'll call it leaked and it goes pretty much viral in our community. And Taryn is called a creepy old man and everything else. Taryn finally gets around to uh, putting out what would be basically a press release, private video, staged, scripted, yada, yada, yada. Okay? That was his take on it. Well, she released a um, video. She rele released a statement on her Instagram today. Uh, about two weeks ago, a video was published showing me in a very uncomfortable situation. I was clearly very uneasy when it happened. And I'm extremely embarrassed at, at how I reacted to the situation. My former employer took this video several years ago. Well, she's only like 21 now, so it wasn't anyway. When I just turned 18 and was very new to the industry, I was very young and naive and was led to believe that this sort of thing was normal, expected, and required to succeed in this industry. Ooh, sounds yeah. like a lot of other things, doesn't it? Uh-huh. It <laughs> does. Story. Yeah. So... Greasy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So if you're yeah. following the Terran Tactical versus Jade Truck drama on Instagram, that uh, that statement just dropped today. So you might want to go over and check that out if you're following the drama. Yeah. And if you're that. Googling it, her first name is Jade and her last name is Struck. The show notes say Jade's Truck. So I'm yeah. Googling it and I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is I Googled Trevor it and it came up just fine. Oh, that's, yeah, that's how I pronounce it. So that's how I wrote it. Jade's apostrophe S truck. <laughs> yeah. Damn so. newfies. Yeah, cool. exactly. All right. Why don't we get on to the uh, main topic? And for our main topic, we're going to talk about uh, gunsmithing tools. Because I think a listener wrote in like a week or two or three or four. I don't know how when they really wrote in, but uh, they wrote in and they're like, yep. yo, what kind of gunsmithing tools should I get? Because I want to do that kind of thing. So, uh, yep. So we wanted to wait okay. until Trevor got on because he had more of them. But uh, why don't we start with uh, modification? Well, what, what would or what, do you want to do? You want to add I, categories? Dremel yes, tool, we'll get right? we'll get into the Dremel tool. We'll get into that list, but there's definitely 
gunsmithing tools that are essentially machine shop tools. If you're a gunsmith, you also need to have machinist skills because being a gunsmith is often more than simply replacing a broken part. If you're a true gunsmith, you will fabricate parts. You will modify parts. You will machine parts on your mill or on your lathe to make them fit. You'll even construct or build parts once in a while. You'll build a pin because you can't find one. You'll, you'll turn a screw into a plug. You'll do all of that. So that's a whole other kettle of fish. And then if you're going, like, Dini will build a custom rifle. He will take a barrel blank. He will chamber it. He will put it on whatever action you want using his, his lathe and his mill. So that's like a whole other kettle of fish. There's like Assuming, levels to this. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, you know, and then you go to, you go to the Calgary shooting center and they have a stock replicator. I mean, when I hear replicator, I think Star Trek, right? Like give me a Sunday and a, you know, strawberry Sunday comes out. They'll take your, your crack stock, your broken stock. You'll put it in this side of the machine and they'll have a chunk of wood on this side. Next thing you know, you've got a stock fabricated out of the most beautiful piece of wood that you could, you know, get your hands on. Sounds like a key cutter at, uh, kind of do. Yeah. 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 But it's the stock replicators, the coolest thing. That's so, cool. yeah. But if you are at home and you want to work on your own firearms, repair, replace, assemble, disassemble. Yeah. There's definitely some stuff that you need. Um, Dremel, get a Dremel. Dremel. <laughs> Dremel does not make you a gunsmith, <laughs> even though yes, Adrian would like that. You can do some job. gunsmith stuff with a Dremel. Yeah, you can. Job. Yeah. So I actually left uh, the Dremel downstairs for this. So one of the first things you should have, uh, I'll go through the tools I have, Adriel, just to get this part out of the way, and then we can jump into the categories. How's that? I may well, touch on them uh, as we go. You know what? Yeah, why don't we just do it per person? So, like, we've got we've got sure. some categories here. Why don't you tell us what you've got? Uh, Dave can tell us what he's got, and I'll, I'll go into my. Well, stuff. I, yeah, like I actually have my tools with me. I brought my tools. Yeah, yeah. To show. So, you want me to go first, or what yeah? Do... Okay, all right. So, one of the first things I recommend everyone get is a gun vise. So, I'm holding up my Tipton gun vise here. The gun vise is an essential tool for cleaning and maintaining and uh, mounting scopes they have uh, they come in a couple of different configurations this one is the most basic one you put your stock in the back here it's all coated in rubber so you don't scratch anything it's got a clamp to hold the stock in place it's got a support in the middle and then it has um, a groove in the front where either the barrel or the front of the stock will set down in the bottom are all these little compartments for screws there's actually one uh, these ones here fit ballastol cans or hoppies bottles perfectly hmm. so tools can fit into one compartment and then screws and and whatnot uh, cleaning patches cleaning solvents in the other compartments so that that was one of the very first things i bought when i bought my first rifle i bought my uh, a carbon fiber one piece tipped in cleaning rod and i bought a um a guide that goes into the receiver. You take the bolt out and then you put the cleaning rod in. There's a slot for your patch and it keeps all the dirt out of the action. And I was doing that on my lap in the, in the living you room. You don't use like a solvent this. catch? <laughs> solvent <laughs> gets trap. gets them off wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do not own any solvent traps. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I bought this and this sits on top of your workbench and it's fantastic. Um, the next 
two things I think are absolutely invaluable, and they are, especially if you're getting into ARs, these are roll pin punches. This set right here is from Wheeler Engineering. You can get it on Amazon or, or uh, Brownell sells a lot of good, uh, well, good, good-ish, right? They're, they're practical, but they're not the toughest things in the world. Anyway, these are roll pin starter punches. And often you can mar the hole and mess up the hole or damage the pin trying to start it. Well, if you look at the end of this pin, it has a hole in it. The hole is designed to hold the roll pin. You put the roll pin in the punch, you put it into the hole, you give it a couple of quick taps, and it starts the roll pin for you and ensures that it starts straight and doesn't damage the pin. Then you switch to these pins, and these are roll pin punches, and they actually have a little nipple on the tip of the punch. And what that does is that goes inside the rolled steel, the little hole there, the little divot, and that makes sure that the punch doesn't get or the pin rather doesn't get smashed or mushed or, or opened up. So these two sets of punches I find are invaluable and make your life so much easier starting punches and finishing them. Um, the next couple of things I have, I'll save those for the la for last. This is a wonderful kit. This is the Wheeler engineering 89 piece gunsmithing screwdriver set. It has a, a screwdriver bit location guide, which is a sticker that you put in the top so you can always know where the bits go. It also comes with an instruction manual that tells you what some of the more unique looking bits are for. There are some specific bits meant to work on specific firearms. There's a Ruger scope ring clamp bit. There's a Ruger Colt single action base pin latch. There's uh, some punches. There's a Remington 870, 1100, and 1187 trigger plate punch. There's the Smith & Wesson rebound spring compression tool for when working on revolvers. Um, so a couple of specific ones. You look at them and go, what are these for? Well, it tells you in the instructions what they're for. So if you get any cool. antiques, you're covered. Right. Um, something like this would be for removing the, um, on a single shot shotgun, there's a plate there to access the firing pin. You would need, it's, just, it's screwed into the receiver and there's two little holes. Well, you need a special tool to get that out. So that that's what yeah. that would be. The SKS so. has a cross bolt that needs something like that as well. And two, two different, cause... yeah, because SKS. Because it gets dirty if you run out by anyone. Right, two different length screwdrivers and a bunch of, um, and they're what's you know hollow ground they call it the bits. They're um, so you don't slip out of the screw. They, they fit they properly. If any of you guys have tried properly. using a a flathead screwdriver on a firearm, uh, you'll find that a flathead screwdriver they're kind of like a angled in. Yep. And you try to use it on a gun flathead screw and you strip it out and you're like, man, they just didn't know how to use screws back in the day. And the reality is uh, they didn't. Flathead screws are still completely stupid, but they made yeah, them using completely. this technology, and that's why your modern screwdrivers don't work with them. Exactly. This next kit that I have is the Wheeler, again, from Wheeler Engineering, and it is a scope mounting kit. It has lapping bars, 
and for um, some of those rings that have windage built into them, you can line them up using the lapping bars. Um, windage built into them. Like that's a nice way of crazy. saying they, they've been machined poorly. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> and you have to actually, polish them well, afterwards. There, there are some rings that um, have windage. You can actually adjust the windage onto the scope ring itself, which seems ridiculous, but you can you can offset the back ring. So these two pieces of metal here, see how they're pointed? You put one in the back ring, one in the front ring, and then you make sure that the tips are lined up and your rings are straight. Touch the tips. Touch the tips, but only for a minute. And just the tip. And then go buy a better scope. I also have a better scope. Yeah, well, it's loophole, can, man. Loophole use, makes some of these ridiculous things. You can know. use that polishing bar to do a really like mirror finish polish on the inside of your ring. So if you want your inside of your rings to be like super fantastic, that's well, the that's the tip ticket. No, well, okay. So if it's Saturday night and you're drunk and the lady's amorous, well, you know, just maybe stand there. So what 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 you're supposed to do? And I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong, but what what you're describing is wrong. Um, you use this lapping bar and the lapping compound mm -hmm. simply to remove the high spots on the ring. Okay. So you, uh, the, the instructions say something about, you know, you run the lapping bar back and forth until you take off about 20% of the finish and mm -hmm. you'll, some, some of the finish will be gone and some of the finish will still be there. And by finish, I mean like the anodizing of the ring itself, because most rings are aluminum and they're anodized. And um, what you've done is you've eliminated the high spot. And by eliminating the high spot, you're getting more ring surface contact on the scope tube. And so potentially you're removing for. some of the pressure points. Exactly. Right. Now, do you have to lap your scope or are we assuming the scope is perfect? Yeah, you're assuming the scope is perfect. Slap right? everything. Not, probably not. Lap the but... scope, lap the rings, braze it or and... weld it on there. It's <laughs> never going to come out. And people are like, I remember when I first got this kit and they're like, well, why are you lapping $30 rings? Because the $30 rings, jackass, are the ones that need it. If I buy, like, my $200 Alberta Tactical rings, yeah, don't lap those. Those are fine. Um, my $200 Vortex rings, like it tells you right on the instructions, do not lap these. These are already precision. LaRue Tactical, just one and done, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The more you pay, the less attention. So, uh, Wheeler Engineering Fat Wrench. So, this is a torque wrench in inch pounds if you're going to do any um scope mounting whatsoever you need to get one of these and you need to check the manufacturer's instructions for what they recommend you torque things to people way over tighten their scope rings yeah. talking 18 to 20 inch pounds all you need and people over tighten the part to the part to the point where they actually crimp the body of the scope tube it's ridiculous the and stuff then the erector see. doesn't work and then when you adjust it it doesn't work and that's where you see people who adjust their scope and then tap on it yep and like why are they They're doing that get... well it's because it's cranked on there too tight and it doesn't want to work mm -hmm. properly that's right now also, you don't just tighten them to like uggaduggas right like how how hard you go on it no use what? the use the wrench yeah you use the wrench like yeah until nope. No. no, no, you don't go Mongo you tight. Feel, you feel the, the torque <laughs> starting the to twist. Go crumple. It's like, Whoa. Yeah. yeah. No. It's good enough. A little yeah, bit of twisting. The, yeah. Um, comes with a set of levels. These are pretty much garbage, though. I'm not going to not gonna lie. These don't work very well. you got to get a separate leveling kit where you, uh, you, you level the gun, and then you put a, a level on the barrel. You clamp it down, and you adjust it so that it matches the level on the receiver. And then you can take that one off, put the rings on, 
check it again on top of the rings. Actually, you put your rings on the receiver and then put it across there. A couple of different ways to do it. But I usually just put the rings on, drop the scope in, torque it all tight, and go shoot the gun. Yep, and that's why... Um, not, not right? Whatever makes you happy, buddy. <laughs> you, you do you. You know, one you thing you. with, I love with those bring, levels... I'm going to bring my gun out. You can sometimes the, the top of the scope, the scope uh, ring isn't flat. Sometimes mm-hmm. they've got like a little Allen key mm-hmm. or something in there, so mm-hmm. that can prevent you from using those top top of the scope bubble levels. Rings, kind of yeah. yeah. Um, the other cool thing that this is for, there's a well-known trick out there for the 1022. The 1022 receiver is held into the stock with one screw. Mm-hmm. The torque specification on that screw, or the, not the torque specification, but the amount of torque on that screw will affect your group. You go to the range with this tool and your 1022, and you start at 10 pounds, 10 inch pounds, and you go up one pound at a time shooting five shot groups, and the group will close and open and close again, and you'll find the sweet spot. It's like this 1022 shoots best at 13 inch pounds. This 1022 shoots best at 11. This 1022 shoots best at 15. You're welcome. Interesting. I just put my in and just went, eh, and I'm going to go shoot it. I, I had a had a Savage 64 that from the factory wasn't torqued down enough on the on the action screws and it shot uh-huh. horribly. <laughs> yeah, once torqued, it was still horrible, but be- but better <laughs> better than before. <laughs> it went from horrible to just horrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. And then this is uh, I I'm, I love this. This is a uh, trigger scale, so it's nice to have too. So if you're uh, doing some trigger work. Which, unless you're a gunsmith, you shouldn't be doing because you make your gun full auto and shoot yourself in the face. So, but if you're just curious, you just want to know, uh, digital trigger scale is nice. Well, there's good there's to, some good to trigger know if you're doing competitions too because a lot of competitions. Oh, you're one pound too light, no gun. And, yeah, and there are components that non-gunsmiths can put in. There yes, are absolutely. Tri- like you could you could go pick up an AR trigger pack and just want to yeah. know what it is and then adjust yeah. it, right? Yeah. So I think yeah, exactly. I think the, the trigger uh, weight scales are fantastic. Yes, and if you're talking about an adjustment screw that came from the factory, hell yeah, have at her because it's still going to go within safe parameters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know you shouldn't be in there with a file and Dremel. And Use stuff. the Dremel. Right, the Dremel. Yeah, These next two tools are uh, specific. Uh, oh, by the way, that's my favorite beer, Dave. Like, one of my favorite beers. When we were in Poland for the World Cup, that's yeah. all we drank was Tisky. We drank a lot of Tisky. My wife insisted on organic beer for Christmas for a party we were having, so I went and get Gimme Gregane beer, and they put this in a case, and I came home with it. But I don't drink beer, but it's actually pretty good. Very good, yep. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's from Poland, but that's where I discovered it. All right. This this next tool is an AR-15 armorer's wrench. If you don't know what this is, we can't be friends. That goes around Facebook and Instagram all the time. So if you own an AR-15, this is a must. One of the most useful parts of this tool is this uh, part at the end, and this is for tightening the castle nut. So if ever you need to change your buffer tube, this is a very specific tool. So you either own one or you borrow one from one of the guys in the club. But you now... They're not all created equal, but you can buy these for fifteen bucks on eBay or Amazon. That's and they might can, yeah. be crap, yeah. So I've got the uh just while we're talking about those, I've got the Wheeler Engineering one. Yeah. And uh no difference between this one and that one in terms of use. I find that one no difference. This one's got uh rather than the uh the multi grip thing that's really good for the for the standard nut, 
It's just mm-hmm. got these posts that you use. Yeah, for the castle nut. Which um, is enough. It's enough. That one, it's not fantastic. But you know what's great about that one? So yeah. you see you see this groove here. You've got that groove. This groove here. you got that groove. But you see this hole right here? Uh-huh. That's for the torque wrench. Yeah. And it's off center. Yours is uh, center. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I feel better about that. Mm-hmm. So this other set here is uh, specific. Real Avid. That's the brand name of these toolkits. And they make a bunch of different ones yeah. for di- different uh, types of guns. There you go, buddy. That's Bought the it two Acu- weeks ago. It's awesome. Same one. It's the a Hammer and Air 15 Pin Punch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah freaking so awesome. I bought it mostly for the hammer, man, because it's got a nice little hammer with um, different ends you've got a, a hard plastic a rubber a brass and a steel so depending on what you got to punch on or hammer on you're not going to mar stuff up and it has air 15 specific punches it has the cutaway punch that you need to install your bolt stop pin it, it can be installed without this punch but it's much easier with this punch so and there's even i built several air 15s there's a punch in here I have no idea what it's for maybe you guys can tell me what is this thing for it looks like it's for starting something i'm not sure it's got like a bullet tip on it uh you were telling me about that one adriel weren't you, you can just wail on that thing and get a get a pin started oh well, that would be if it's a pin start punch but i don't see anywhere how how mm. sharp is the tip on it not very uh, not very well you wouldn't be you you wouldn't use that for crimping over the uh, uh castle nut so that it's uh staked in place no it's, it's definitely not you cannot no no no, it's, mm. no it's not sharp enough but back to these two they look the same right and they're the the punch that's <coughs> that's ha- only halfway there half the body has been ground away and that's so that it can go around the receiver to start the um takedown pin punch or uh, pin but the tips one, oh, they're magnetic too. I didn't realize that. The ends are magnetic. That's cool. Um, one of these is hollow. Hmm. So you can put the pin in and it will stay held in the punch itself while you get it started. Then after you get it started, then you have a roll pin punch that has the rounded tip to make sure you don't mar or crush your pin. Is the hollow part magnetic because if it held the roll pin in there, that would be freaking magic. No, nope, it, it seems like just the. Oh, that seems yeah. like a missed opportunity. Having the inside of that thing be magnetic would be like it would hold That'd the roll awesome. pin in there. Yeah, yeah, super yeah. magic. Yeah. So um, these toolkits are available at DC Armory. Just saying, shameless plug. I know that because that's where I got mine. So got mine at Elwood Apps because I'm not near DC Armory, unfortunately. So. There you go. So. Um, Punches, man. Get good punches and get roll pin punches and get roll pin starter punches. I bought a set from Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Just, this was my too. very, very basic starter starter punch set. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of crappy and the case is really hard to open and I hate them so much. Well, they're specific for like they're brass, right? Yeah. And the, the listeners don't realize that you just held up and said I got punches, but they're oh. brass punches. So they're kind of limited to what you can. They have a purpose and it's not a general all all purpose they're mainly off things mainly i hate the case because the case is impossible to get open without tools (laughs) (laughs) and i broke a few of them so then i bought this and this is just wonderful and it really wasn't any more expensive no no what is the sticker still on that what was that that was under 30 bucks wasn't it uh this one was 57 oh 
I'm not saying you overpaid, but you overpaid. That's all what apps, man. Whatever. All right. Pin punches, eh? Yeah, man. Pin punches. I've gotten away with all it. Right. I don't have any like special... Uh, like I just use roll pin punches. I don't have the starter or anything like that. Yeah, but That's you literally fine. tune a three-gun shotgun with a hatchet. Uh, grinder and a drummer. Grinder, my yeah. bad. I've been told since that a, a belt sander is actually a, re a real uh, clean way of doing that because you get that angle in there and it's just perfectly straight and smooth. That's God, exactly I removal. hate you so much. <laughs> uh, I wanted to show a couple of mine here real quick. Um, I've got uh, trigger gauge just like Trevor has. Uh, a couple of small things you might not think about. Uh, head on to Princess Auto and get some dental picks. Because, like, mm -hmm. some parts, like, trying to get them in a weird spot, oh, man, it's clutch, super clutch. And uh, without them, it's impossible to, to, to do a lot of this stuff. Uh, another one, I mentioned the Dremel. It's my favorite uh, uh, gunsmithing tool. But uh, one of these little nail files that has a whole bunch of different surfaces on it, these are really good for polishing up parts. So if you're going to do the, uh, the two-cent Glock tune-up on the trigger which is not changing any of the surfaces. It's just polishing a lot of it. This is fantastic because it's got like step four, step five. So these are really just different grits that you can use on a, on a nail file. You're not wrong. That is the absolute perfect tool for cleaning up a factory Glock trigger. Because what you're doing when you're polishing the Glock trigger, like you pick up a Glock that's brand new and you pick up a Glock that's got 10,000 rounds on it and the Glock with 10,000 rounds feels fantastic. Because the parts have naturally become polished over time. When we start polishing trigger parts, what we're doing is we're essentially speeding up the wearing in process. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that, that emery board there, like you said, has uh, graduated grits. And lots of them. And they're like some of the uh, some of the gritty ones. I would never even start with that. I'd start with like some of the some of the smoother ones. But it's soft. It's very easy to like file away at something using this. And uh, and they're super cheap. And then uh, I don't know if you mentioned a clamp or a way to like affix your AR upper, but if you're going to change out your barrels in your AR upper, yeah, like I got those. Or I just... Reaction rod or something like that. Well, it's really important to use that because you know an AR15 upper is actually a bit delicate. You're not going to just clamp that in a vise and start torquing a barrel nut to 80 inch pounds, or is it even foot pounds? Foot pounds. Foot, foot pounds. pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So your AR-15 upper, if you're going to get the proper amount of torque onto the barrel nut, needs to be in a upper clamp, and then that provides support to the upper, and then you you put that into a vise. Mm. Yes, yeah. I have to get one. Yeah, I mean they've got the uh, they got the rod style that kind of goes in the back of the upper and engages yep. with the uh, lugs. There's the mag magpull bev block. That one's actually I, I like that one. It's very compact, uh, but it doesn't solidly hold the upper all on its own. Right. Whereas this guy, you clamp that on your upper, you put that in your in your vice, not going anywhere, and then you can work on your gun, and it's it's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's got like these little. Uh, uh, grooves there so you put it into the vise clamp it in there and straight level there. yep i yep. also have the one adriel that uh, it's a block that goes into the vise and it fits into your magwell and locks in onto your magazine release i've got one of those too and i never use the stupid thing i don't know if it's i, I don't actually know what use or or which operation i would use that more castle nut i always put it on the floor <laughs> 
step on his throat. I just put it on the on the carpet and just yeah, good. Yeah, that's how I did mine too, Adriel. <laughs> hey, no kidding. Uh, that's how I did my first one. I bought uh, I bought one of the uh, lower holders uh, for cleaning the gun because I don't have room in my room really to Mm -hmm. put guns out. So Mm -hmm. I have I put a vice on my bench, took and screw this. Actually, it's the wheeler that attaches to that uh, that gun vice you've got, uh, Trevor. But Mm -hmm. I put a block on it so I can just clamp it my vice and then set my gun in it. And I've got a little device that holds my lower and upper apart so I can just clean the gun. I've got that the one. same one. Uh, if you leave the bolts a little bit loose, you can actually twist it off the block. So twist it mm-hmm. on or twist it off the block. So it's like a quick way of getting it on or off. A, I've quick actually, detach. yeah, I've got a table right here. This little like crappy TV table has is set up for that, so I can just twist it on. I never use it. Oh, I always cool. just use the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> just because well, I have the tools doesn't mean I'm going to use them. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just trying to think of anything else that I do on guns. That's like that would, I would recommend a tool for. Mm, yeah, I don't think I think that's about it. Without getting too specific on uh, uh, on a particular operation, I don't think there's there's much more that I would recommend. A good hammer, like if you don't have one of those hammers, like uh, like you had there, Trevor, uh, a good hammer with. Uh, rubber on one side and plastic on the other. So nice. Because if you have problems getting a pin out or something like that, you can whack at a receiver with that. It's not going to damage it. It's not going to do any marks on it or anything like that. Yeah, I built my first AR with a claw hammer, and I don't recommend doing that. You can do it. You just need to prep everything. You need, like, all around the area you're going to be hitting. With, yeah, you just need to tape the crap out of it because you will have that thing skip off the pin if it's not the the correct one, right? Oh yeah, I got a few. Well, you can't see it, but I've got a pretty good ding right there from the hammer slipping. Going, oops! When I put the pin in, the pin went in. But uh, mm-hmm. oh well, it's a competition rifle. But I was kind of mad at myself. Uh, you're mad at yourself until you like dump it in the ground or like shoot on a gravel range, and there's like rocks flying everywhere, and you're marking it up anyways, right? Yeah, but yeah. still, I'd rather it was all nice and pretty when I'm assembling it. So. At least it's done right. If I was doing it, yeah, and if I was doing it for somebody else, then yeah, I'd need to be definitely, and then they can go bugger it up on their own. (laughs) Indeed. All right, you guys want to move on? Yeah, man. All right, let's go. Uh, Listener feedback on the Facebook. I haven't really been paying attention. Have you guys? Dave and I have been answering as we go. It's been some some pretty good stuff. Kelly stopped by to say hi. Hmm. Oh, I got. Uh, some pin punches with my Dawson sights. One of them was a nylon tip, and the other one was aluminum, pure aluminum. Mm. I love those yeah. things. I use those on everything. They're these yep. just short little guys, and they're so handy. Cause, and every time you buy a front sight, you get a new one. Mm-hmm. They're stepped and everything sometimes. Mm-hmm. I never got the nylon one, but I that stepped aluminum one, fantastic. Yeah, and perfect for that thing. Because if you try using the wrong thing for putting in a sight, that is, uh, that's not a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, no reaction rods. Uh, well, I mean, you can use them. I don't. I don't have one. The reason why I don't have a reaction, I think I got that Wheeler kit with the clamp and all that other kind of stuff for like fifty, sixty bucks, like the whole thing. So I, I'm pretty sure reaction rods are right around there that price, anyways, right? Mm. Uh, pin punches with drill bits. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that because uh, drill bits are super, super hard, so they make a good punch, apparently. Yeah, I mean, like, I just buy a punch. 
buy a good punch. Like, because crappy punches, like, bend and, like, they're, like, wet noodles. Yeah. Oh, one other thing you should have in your kit is a couple band-aids for when your punches break and take a chunk out of your hand. (laughs) Or your grinder slips when you're improving the feeding on your shotgun. Shotgun? Yeah. Yeah, Band-aids are good and glasses to wear so, you know, springs and stuff don't catch you in the face. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thanks, Mom. Compressed air. Compressed air, super handy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to keep cans of compressed air for, like, cleaning computer keyboards and stuff. And then I just found a compressor compressor on Kijiji for, like, 30 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did. I used to use them. And then I discovered it's 10 bucks for a can of compressed air, 50 bucks for a compressor. And ta-da! I can inflate my car tires, too. It's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think we've got the Facebook uh, all covered there. Uh, listener feedback. Listener feedback is sponsored by Armory DC Gunsmith. Uh, Armory DC Gunsmith is a full-service gunsmith who specializes in firearms refinishing. He offers hot bluing, parkerizing, and Cerakote finishes, as well as wood refinishing. Check out his online inventory of new and used guns, firearms, accessories, optics, and more at DK- dcgunsmith.ca. And uh, maybe ask him about this uh, uh, Avid, real Avid uh, AR-15 kit that uh, Trevor's got. Cause we ship... That looks cool. Yeah, I know there's one in stock for sure. Hmm. One left. One left after you got through. We also have a ballastol order, and if people are having a hard time finding ballastol, we have ballastol, and we ship that too. Fantastic. Uh, Dave, do you want to take this first one from Barry? Sure, from Barry McKay. Hi, guys. I am still interested in purchasing a, tr- purchasing a trigger trainer and would like to get the one the one you fine folks are occasionally referring to. Where can I purchase it so I can be trigger happy at home? I love every word that comes Stable. out of your mouth, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> Long live Colonel Cooey. Uh, email the show at slamfireradio at gmail.com, and Kelly will send you some. Yeah, man. Or uh, just get a ballpoint pen. <laughs> yeah, steal them from work. If you work at a place that uses pens, it's all just they're free. Help yourself. Clicky, all you, can, all you could ever want. And make sure you get some post it notes too. Those, um, I don't know what yeah, they help with, but they help. Uh, you can use them to make space invaders on your walls. I think Trevor, I Trevor's just advocating for, for stealing from work. Is, is, that's, that's all we're doing. That here. seems to be the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trevor, do you want to take this one from Mark H? Sure. This doesn't affect me at all, since I'm not in the industry, but it might affect our Canadian neighbors, making things less expensive and easier for you ordering parts and accessories from U.S. distributors. With ITAR going away on those small items, so does the massive amount of required paperwork. Not just that, $2,500 a year companies had to pay Mm -hmm. for the privilege of shipping stuff out of the U.S. Yep. A lot of them didn't bother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. For the little bit of, you know, if you're a startup or whatever. So in a document labeled only for state internal use reviewed by NBC News, the U.S. Department of State is finally set up to make regulatory changes to the International Traffic of Arms Regulations, ITAR, for small arms. The ITAR changes will ease the burden on the firearms industry by placing some common small arms like semi-automatic rifles under the control of the Department of Commerce Export Administration Regulation, EAR, instead of the State Department of U.S. Munitions List, USML. Current regulations require fire manufacturers to pay a minimum of $2,240 per year in ITAR fees, even 
if they have no intention to export weapons outside the United States. Under the proposed changes, fully automatic firearms and other weapons controlled by the National Firearms Act, NFA, will remain under the USML. For smaller manufacturers, gunsmith, and other licensees, the regulatory changes mean that they will no longer be required to pay a minimum ITAR fee, which I think is awesome. That's the big Mm -hmm. one right there, right? Mm -hmm. People that didn't want to bother before, now, you know, there's an incentive to now. They don't have to pay into the to the club right off the bat the rule apparently is only a few weeks away from being pushed published in the federal register more recent link on regulation change this one shows implementation of the change in regulations within 30 days or so so the link is uh gununiversity.com forward slash firearms hyphen moved hyphen iter hyphen commerce hyphen ccl we can just, we can just summarize it the summary and is they say it's gonna it's gonna go into effect uh this week this was in mid-january mm-hmm. uh and then it's a 45 day period so sometime towards the end of february early march we're gonna see you no know, itar uh relaxed and uh i was actually talking to a retailer and a canadian retailer and they thought this was fantastic because they're gonna get a bunch of stock for a bunch of weird stuff that is like little cottage industry kind of stuff in the U.S. They're going to get that here in Canada, and they're going to start offering on their shelves. So fantastic. Well, a lot of the things that were covered by ITAR are just ridiculous, too. Like yep. Trevor, other other Trevor, uh, can get Safari Land stuff to work because they sell stuff to his work industry. And he wanted mag pouches, and he wanted them in a certain color. He could get them in black, but he couldn't get them in flat dark earth because ITAR. Hmm. That's how ridiculous the paperwork is. Because ISIS. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> Boyd's, Boyd's had a, a tactical stock one time. Yeah. Or like 22s. And it wasn't allowed to be shipped because I tear. But I think they renamed that stock of Varmitur and now it is allowed to be shipped. Or you could buy it with the gun. You just couldn't get the stock. Yeah, we talked yeah. about this when uh, we talked about this in mid-January, I think, as well. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's going to mm. be awesome. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. If you'd like to email the show, send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Uh, podcast reviews, we don't have any this week, but if you'd like to help the show get a little bit more uh, easily recognized, uh, head on over to your podcast app of choice and give us five stars and a review, and uh, we'll probably detect it and like read it on the air. Uh, do we have any shout-outs? Well, I'd like to make a correction to something I said on last week's show. I said that in the afternoon when I was shooting the steel challenge, I switched from my production optics gun to my classic gun. And my time was six minutes faster. (laughs) (laughs) I also, um, so obviously that's seconds, right? Not, Mm -hmm. not minutes. Mm -hmm. I also gave Larry way too much credit. I said that he had a stage where he got a 30 second run. Well, in the Steel Challenge, you drop your fast, you drop your worst run. So yeah, that I, I, I didn't know what you were, we were meaning because yeah, you'd usually drop a, a run or two, right? Yep. Yeah, if you shoot it five times, you drop your worst time. So whether your worst time is six seconds or thirty seconds, it's dropped. So it had no bearing on his overall score. I was giving him way too much credit. So I want to take that back and just say that I beat him absolutely fair and square. Trevor giveth and Trevor taketh away. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, Dave. Ha, 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 ha.
Nice. Sweet. Uh, Dave? Uh, shout out to our favorite show listener, Trevor. <laughs> Good to get some listener feedback there from you a couple weeks ago. And uh, shout out to uh, Mad Cat, a friend of mine who's a CCFR field officer in Dufferin County. He was representing the CCFR at the Orangeville Gun Show last weekend. So uh, thanks, man. Keep it up. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, Patreon. We have uh, no new Patreon None. supporters no one loves us. Uh, this week. No one loves us, but except for the Patreonies who do. And we love you too. Yes. And uh, if you'd like to help the show, head on over to patreon.com slash slamfireradio. Uh, you can sponsor the show and we'll send you a patch and a sticker in the mail eventually. Eventually. And we uh, might even provide the extra content that you paid for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got to think about something for that. I think extra. Extra stuff. We'll yep. see. Uh, you can also, if you... Yeah, if you don't want to give Patreon your money, you can also, if you're going to buy something from Cubellas, go through slamfireradio.com, click on the link, buy your thing. We get a kickback of like, I don't know, 2 or 3%. Depends on what it is. If it's a gun, we don't get as much. If it's like something else, we do. So that's cool. Uh, finally, uh, join a National Firearms Association, such as the CCFR, especially right now. We're, uh, we're facing some bans. And uh, even if you don't have firearms that are in the ban, they're still coming for I your do. stuff eventually. Help me. And uh, yeah, you're next. Yeah, it, it's nice to have a buffer of people who with guns that you don't need or use in between you and the people who are going to grab your guns eventually, and call your pump action shotgun a rapid fire gun and ban it too, as in Australia. So uh, even if you don't ever think you're going to need an AR or a handgun or something like that, try to try to keep those around just so that there's that extra buffer between you and the grabbers. I was having that discussion today with a guy at work because I said, did you go sign the, the, the petition yet? And he's like, why would I sign the petition? All I have is, is lever guns and, knives and uh, pump guns. And I only have one semi-auto and it's a deer, uh, my, uh, my freaking duck gun. And mm. I've, oh, and then I got my 1022, but nobody's coming after that. So why would I bother? I'm like, uh, they're coming after everything eventually. Just give them time. So yeah, if there's going to be nobody to say... Uh, you know, help you out when they come after your guns because you already abandoned everyone else. Then you're screwed. It's and divide we, and conquer. Yeah, we don't know what they're going after. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When New Zealand did their ban, they said it was going to be military-style semi-autos. Uh, they banned all centerfire semi-autos, regardless if they're military-style or not. Uh, they banned uh, semi-auto shotguns that could take more than five rounds. They banned uh, uh, pump guns that could take more than five rounds. So... They banned uh, rimfire, lever-action rimfires that held Washington, more than 10 rounds. When Washington did their assault weapon ban, they banned 1022s. Those guys, those got in there too. So, uh, yes, the liberals are saying we're going to ban military-style semi uh, assault weapons like the AR-15, but that is a PR wordplay. They're going to mm-hmm. come after the other stuff as well. Yeah. If not this time, which they might because the other guys too have, as, have as well um, eventually. And eventually, they're going to come after your sniper rifle, which is your deer gun with a scope. Well, I mean, 700, yeah. that's a military sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally, like us on Facebook. We're at 2,341 likes. And uh, with that, see you, le- see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Next week. Bye. Time to get a gun. That's what I'm thinking. 
If you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.